0: Good morning. Good morning. Um, Tim, thank you. Naya, thank you. Um, Christ Community Church, Shawnee Campus, thank you. Um, I greet you this morning, um, actually, on behalf of my congregation, uh, New Community Church. As Tim said, we're a church plant. I uh, actually started in my home, my wife and I. Uh, we live in the Ivanhoe neighborhood. If you know, um, Kansas City is urban core, the heart of the city. Um, Our neighborhood kind of sits right alongside 71 Highway um, on either side of it. My wife and I live just off the highway. And two years ago, uh, we asked one of our neighbors, like, hey, we feel called to start a church. So what do you say? (laughs) Right. And I know that's not typical. Right. I mean, if you talk to Tim and others who plant churches, you don't usually just ask a neighbor and then go from there. And that's what we did uh, two years ago with Jackie and her two kids. And now we have about 50 folks uh, from the community. Um, We meet at Hope Leadership Academy uh, on the corner of, uh, it's actually in Hope Center. The Hope Center is a youth development ministry. Great organization. They've been hospitable to us, allowing us to use their space. Uh, So on Sundays at 11 o'clock, there'll be about 45 to 50 folks, a lot of rowdy kids um, in Hope Leadership Academy, which is on the corner of Linwood Boulevard. And Benton. Um, so I'm honored to be here. Uh, a little bit more about myself, you guys are probably picking up an accent, like, okay, urban core Kansas City, that accent doesn't, like, I'm not getting it, I'm not getting it, help me out. <laughs> right? So I'm originally from London. Uh, I moved to the States 12 years ago. Actually, um, my, my church that I grew up in in the UK was started by American missionaries, uh, so thank you. Um, <laughs> So um, I grew up in a small congregation, actually in the heart of London, in a community called Brixton. That's where I grew up. Um, so you can Google Brixton. It's actually in the process of gentrification right now. So it's not the same community that it used to be. Um, but some American missionaries came to our community, started a congregation. And it ended up being a very diverse congregation made up of immigrants. Um, so that's the context I was raised in. I grew up amongst immigrants. My family is originally from Jamaica. Um, So that's my story. Um, I moved to the States as a result of the missionary work that was done by Americans in the UK. I was connected to a Bible college out here in the States, um, and that was 12 years ago. And eight years ago, I moved to Kansas City, Missouri um, to work with a youth uh, organization um, serving youth in the northeast of Kansas City, Missouri, at 12th Street area, um, which is also in an interesting um, season right now of transition. So that's who I am. Um, I, again, I'm honored to be here. Uh, Tim and Naya, thank you so much for your, your friendship, your partnership, your support. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to uh, the future in partnering with you, a mutual partnership. That's what Tim and I talk about a lot. You know? Like when we, when we talk about the, the city or you know, under-resourced places, uh, the dynamics can get a little funny. Um, but as I've talked to Tim and Naya and others, like, how do we do this in a mutually beneficial way, right? Because I believe that my community has something to offer. Um, so that's, we'll be talking more about that. Um, but, uh, you know, to get us into the word, I just wanted to start by letting you know that I love a good story. Um, I love a good story, not like um, just a, you know, there's some movies you watch and you're kind of like, mm, but the story where you kind of just, like, you, 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 you get kind of a, blindsided. You're like, wait, you didn't see it coming, right? You know, those types of stories where you're, you're kept guessing and you're anxious to see what happens next. Like, that's the kind of story I love where at one point the situation seems hopeless, whether it be a character, a people, or whatever the case may be, it seems hopeless. And then there's a shift and there's a change, right? And there's a radical transformation, <laughs> That's right. Mine, too. Right. She says story of her life. I was like, mine, too. Um, but there's a shift that takes place. Right. I love those stories. And as we look at the book of Acts in Acts chapter three, we get a glimpse at one of those stories. You know, but if I can be completely honest with you, it's easier for me to see that type of story in other people right? It's easier for me to see the life change. Um, it's easier for me to see the radical shifts that, you know, I can see it in other people's stories, but a lot of times I miss it in my own. You know, a lot of times I, I would class my life in a lot of areas to just be ordinary. It's ordinary, right? So then when I see somebody else's story, you know, the, the story, you know, like the first thing that pops into my mind is like a blindside type movie. You know what I'm saying? Like The story, like there's this story that ends up becoming a movie. It's like if someone made a movie of my life, right, It's like would it really be that exciting? You know, I don't know. I'm not sure. But the reality is for most of us, we struggle to see the extraordinary in our own stories. Uh, We struggle to see how God is at work in our ordinary, everyday lives our nine-to-five, right, when we just with our families or by ourselves or just going going through life, we struggle to see where God shows up and intervenes and creates change, right? So in Acts chapter 3, we see these ordinary stories. But in these ordinary stories, there's a collision that takes place, right? So this first story is Peter and John, right? But before we, we, they enter this story, just a little bit of a background in the book of Acts. And I know Tim and whoever's been speaking, we've, we, you guys have talked about this. this. The book of Acts is the story of the birth of the church, the acts of the apostles, the acts of the Holy Spirit. And the church was birthed in power. Right. So the church wasn't an accident. The church was intentional. Right. We sit in these seats. I stand on this stage as a result of God moving in a powerful way, right, intentionally. So the church was birthed in power. On the day of Pentecost, the apostles are praying in the upper room, and we're told that the Spirit comes down and, and, and falls on them as, 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 as a, like, tongues of fire, right? And you read in the book of Acts, and they start speaking in different languages. Like, that's not an ordinary day, Right? But at that moment, there's also a festival taking place and people hear these these people speaking in different languages and it catches their attention and they're drawn in. And we're told that Peter speaks this powerful message. And on that day, he calls those people to repentance and 3,000 people are baptized in the name of Jesus. So this thing is birthed in power, right? So in Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 10, it opens like the perfect story. One day, (laughs) Peter and John are going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John enter About about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. So we have two ordinary stories, right? We're told, Acts chapter 3, verse 1, one day Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. The usual time of prayer, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, right? Ordinary. We also have this man who has, has physical disabilities. Each day he's brought to the same temple, to ask for charity. That's his ordinary. Two very different stories, but for both parties, a very ordinary day. Ordinary situation. One, two guys are going to pray, one guy is asking for some help. But where the story turns and where it gets extraordinary is when these two very ordinary stories collide, right? And this collision happens at the request of some help. So each day, this guy would go. He would go. He would request help. He needs some help. And in his mind, you know, as you you read the story and you can assume that his life is kind of, I mean, this sums up. His existence. Right. In order for him to get through to the next day, he needs to request some help at, at the temple. So that's what he does. But the, the, the response from Peter, I love it. I love Peter's response because he tells the guy, man, look at us. Look at us. You know, in my mind, as I read it, Peter is probably looking at him, looking at him as he asks for some money. It's Like, hey, look, do I look like I have money right now? Like we just came here to pray. Look at me. Look at me. I'm wearing the same clothes you're wearing. Look at me. Right. <laughs> so look at us. Silver and gold, gold and silver. I don't have it. I, re- I don't have it. But what I have, I give to you. That's one of my favorite phrases in this story. I don't have money. But what I do have, I will give it to you. So my wife and I, uh, Stephanie, uh, we are fellows in the Asset-Based Community Development Institute of DePaul University in Chicago. So asset-based community development is a form of community building in under-resourced neighborhoods, right? It's global, um, but the institute is based out of Chicago. Many people who attempt to do development in a neighborhood similar to where I live, they will do an assessment based on the needs of that community. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, right? Um, Because there are needs there, right? But what asset-based community development does is it goes into a community and it asks a different question. And the question is, what do you have? Because in my neighborhood, we may not have money, but we have something. Right? Every single person has something, right? And that's actually how we started our ministry. You know, so I've lived in the community. I've lived in, I, my wife and I have been involved in this community for about five years. Two years ago, we began a Bible study in our home. But years leading up to that, as we walked the neighbor, we walk a lot, right? We walk. And then once we started having children, we put them in strollers and we walk, right? We get to know folks. But as we would walk, get to know people, hear stories, a question we would always ask is, well, what do you have? What skills do you have? If, there are a few, if you knew some things well enough able to teach, like, would you be willing to do that? Right? And as a result of that, we started to build community. So our church has an asset-based approach. right? So our church exists not based on what we don't have. You know, we don't sit around feeling sorry for ourselves because we live in a low-income community. We do work to engage justice issues, though. I want to make that very clear. You know what I'm saying? Our communities are in the state that they're in as a result of injustice. But we still have something. So how do we build, right? So as I read Peter's words, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you the question is, well, Peter, what do you have, <laughs> right? Because a lot of times when we think about ministry, we want to lead with, okay, it's a dollar amount, right? If we throw cash, then we'll fix it. But Peter has something that's of more value than dollars and cents, gold and silver. And it's the name of Jesus. So he tells Peter, he tell, Peter tells this man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Get up and walk. This guy just wanted some change, right? That's where he was, that's where his mind was at. Just want some change. Peter's like, look, get up and walk. Get up. What I love about what takes place next it reminds me of something that takes place even in my community. Because as this man is healed, and we're told his feet, his ankles become stronger, he's able to get up, you know, Peter grabs him by his right hand and picks him up, and then we're told that they then enter the temple courts together. As I'm reading and reflecting on this earlier this week, what I was reminded of was the fact that As we sit in this space and as we worship, um, we are privileged people. Um, This man who would sit, who would ask for help, he was not able to get into the temple courts to worship. So what we're told is, is once he is healed... He's able to get up, enter the temple courts, and at that point, he can praise God. So I work for an organization that works with 10 neighborhoods within the urban core of Kansas City. I live in one of those neighborhoods. And I've mentioned to you of this idea of privilege, and coming together to worship is a privilege, right? And my congregation, we wrestle with this, and we're trying to figure out ways to engage our neighbors to help relieve their suffering In order for them to come and worship with us. So let me give you a few few things that we're walking through. Right. In my community. Many of our low income families are in a place of survival, just like this gentleman was who was sitting and asking for some change in order to get through that day. Right. So there's a lack of resources in our community. I learned recently that in Jackson County alone, there are 42 evictions every single day. Every single day, there are 42 individuals or families that are evicted out of their homes. So what does that mean for those families? That means that once you have an eviction, that enters you into a cycle of poverty and keeps you there, right? The average household income in my community is somewhere around $20,000 a year. That's what families are living on. So when I say that to come to church is a privilege, it's because many of my neighbors are walking through these very challenges at the same time I'm standing up on stage and sharing the word of God. So as the church, though we begin with what we have, we're also trying to figure out how do we engage with our people in our community in a way that relieves their suffering so that just like this guy who was healed, they too can come in and praise God with us, right? Does that make sense? So for this guy who was lame, and it's just a powerful image A powerful idea that he wasn't able to enter the temple courts until he was healed in the name of Jesus. And at that point, that guy had a testimony. At that point, he's in the temple courts. He's praising God. And every single person that passed him by was like, oh, wait, hold on a second. Wait, that's the same guy that's been out here begging. right? But now he's up on his feet and he's praising God and he's worshiping. So the reality is that God shows up and he shows off when we allow our stories that sometimes seem very ordinary, that sometimes seem mundane, right? When we allow God to move us to interact with somebody else's very ordinary story, I truly believe that that's when the extraordinary happens. Um, There is a quote from the Reverend Dr. King. He speaks about this. It's in his letter from a Birmingham jail. He says, in a real sense, all life is interrelated. All men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. So Dr. King, as he's in jail, right, pens this amazing letter, and in it he describes the fact that each of us are deeply interconnected, right, and not until we are all in the place that God intended for us to be, right, there is still work to be done. So as we go about our day-to-day, our ordinary, um, and as, as Tim mentioned, um, part of our work is to be on mission, right? As we go about our daily lives, right, at work, we're supposed to be on mission, supposed to engage people, supposed to be witnesses of the kingdom of God. Um, I want to encourage us to have our eyes open to the fact that God is at work, It just takes some Sometimes it takes us to be willing to have that exchange with somebody who may be a little different. Right. Um, Yesterday, I had the opportunity to sit on a panel for a community development workshop. Um, Large crowd of people um, at this workshop. We're all trying to figure out how do we help to bring about development. Uh, in our city, you know, earlier I had mentioned about the ev- eviction issue. We're in a housing crisis right now in Kansas City. Um, there, there, there is not, there's not much, not enough housing for our low-income uh, neighbors. Um, but one of the presenters uh, mentioned uh, she works for the city. She mentioned some statistics, and one of the things she mentioned, which we kind of know, um, but but just to be reminded of, she said Kansas City in general. It's a very affordable place to live. Like, yeah, it is. It really is. You know, my wife's cousin's with us right now, and she's trying to figure out if she moves to Kansas City for that reason. It's affordable, but at the same time, Kansas City, in comparison to all other metro areas around the same size, we're in probably the top five most segregated economically. it's hard for us to have these types of collisions, right? It's kind of hard for the extraordinary to take place when we choose to live segregated lives. So my encouragement to us, and I believe this is where we're going, right? As Tim has said, hey, you know, why Why New Community Church? Why are we going to partner with a church East Kansas City? You know, and some of you may have been told, don't ever go there. Let me tell you right now, you'll be okay. You'll be all right. You know what I'm saying? The, the reason, one of the, the answers to that question, why, is because as the people of God, we have to do a better job of being in community with one another. So regardless of race, regardless of social economics, regardless of political party affiliations, Regardless of all these things that society tells us should separate us, the church should be the entity that leads the way in engaging one another across all these lines, right? So that's the why. I believe that's the big why why I stand before you today is because as the church, we need to figure this thing out. And like I said earlier, on the east side, we are doing work from a place of assets. But the reality is, there's also a need for financial resources. So we navigate both of these, right? And I believe once we come together and work on how we work on development, but also provide what we have, then I believe these exchanges will take place and we will see transformation, true transformation, not only of places, but also of of us individually. I truly believe that. So friends, I want to encourage you in closing. Let's have our eyes open. Let's have our eyes open to those exchanges that could take place for life transformation, not only for the other person, but also for us. Because I believe when we have our eyes open, I believe God will show up and he will show off in ways that we cannot even imagine. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we come to you right now. Believing that you are in full control. trusting in the fact that you have given us everything that we need in order to get the work done. Not because of us, not because of our own ability, our strength, our wisdom, but because what we have, we walk in your authority. We walk in the name of Jesus So, Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, Lord, as we go about our day, as we interact with family, co-workers, friends at school, neighbors, Lord, as we interact, may our eyes be open to other people's stories. May our eyes be open to our own story. And, Lord, how you want to bring us together for change. So, Holy Spirit, give us a boldness. Holy Spirit, give us a vision, a clarity, Lord. Lord God, we pray that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come in Kansas Sea, in Shawnee, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.